welcome Tamara Prager to uh, to our podcast. Uh, I'm excited to have you on here. Thanks. You and I have been uh, working real estate in Flagstaff for a long time. How long have you been doing real estate in Flagstaff? 17 years. 17 years. So you've been doing just a few years longer than I have. And, uh, and you're still in the Flagstaff market, but you also um, recently um, moved to Sedona as well, right? Correct. Okay. And uh, that's, that's a whole lot of fun as well. Yeah, I like Com- that market. Completely different town. Yes. What is the one thing... We'll talk about a lot of things today. Okay. It's just a fun conversation. What's maybe the one thing that you found about Sedona, that living next to it, you think you know Sedona, but what's the one thing you found living in Sedona that you're like, oh, this this is a little different? Yeah. I um, I would say that the people, I, I think that the people that I thought were the locals were not the locals. And now that I've met the locals, they're, they're, di- they're different than I thought. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. How so? Much more uh, down to earth than I thought. I thought that, you know, there's this uh, belief that everybody who lives in Sedona is into all the vortexes and the woo-woo and all the, you know, psychics and that. And um, I don't find the locals to be like that at all. I find them to just be everyday people just like here in Flagstaff. So that was very exciting for me. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And that... uh... I'm sure you get some of that as well in the community, but that there's a lot, there's a lot more diversity than just yes. tourist town once you're there. Yes. Very cool. Very cool. And, uh, and you, um, well, let's see. And so you still, uh, and you have done rentals, you've managed, you do long-term, you do short-term. Um, we, we've talked a lot of on recently on the podcast about long-term, short-term. Um, my, my brother um, is a property manager and was on, uh, he's up in the Salt Lake area, but I thought it was really fun to have him on. Uh, we just posted that uh, last week and to where um, having perspective on the long-term, short-term, and we, we talked briefly about that. Um, do you have any like hot mic takes on long-term <laughs> versus short-term outside of the ethics of it, right? Because right. I get, and I, I guess I should be careful on saying ethics of it because some people think, Hey, in certain areas and the need for housing over a business, like there's a lot of personal thoughts on it, but just from a property investor standpoint. Right. So I have one of each. I have a long-term rental that I have um, four college guys in. It's um, in University Heights right near campus. So it makes sense. They can all ride their bikes there. Okay. And they love it. Let me move this mic a little closer. Sorry, let me move that a little closer for you there. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. So they, um, they've been there, this is their fourth lease that they've signed with me and they have their own set of pros and cons. And then I also have, um, we just turned our personal house into a short-term rental and, um, it's nothing like I thought it would be. Yeah. Kind of like having kids, right? Like you have all these ideas in your head of what it's going to be like. And it's, it's, it was nothing like I thought it was going to be. And it, all the pros I thought turned out to be more cons. And all the cons I thought turned out to be pros. So, oh no, you know, um, I, I think I like long-term a little better. It's okay. not as labor-intensive. Yeah. And I did not take into account what it costs in utilities. Okay. The utilities are, are very high. I didn't, I didn't consider that. Like I considered the, the coffee and the sheets and the furniture and the advertising and the time back and forth and mowing the lawn and, you yeah, know, yeah, snow yeah. removal. I, I thought of all those things, but I forgot about the utilities, which are about a thousand dollars a month. Oh, whoa. Yeah. So What's that's a big difference. It's uh, just shy of 2000 And it's $1,000 Well, with internet and and somebody to pull the trash cans in and out. And, and is that like, do you have, if I may ask, like, is that like a hot tub or something? Because that can, no. So no. AC. We do have AC. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Because like you're- Do you do uh, any controls yeah. on that where, like, because- those who have been into Airbnbs typically see like right. there was one I went into and it was like pretty ghetto where it's like, you, you gotta call management if you want to go past this, 
like temperature range, right? Uh, we like they do had, have like, a low set. setting and a high setting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And yeah, only because our air conditioner, if you run it below 70, it will freeze. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, stop yeah. working. Yeah. Oh, that's and like, so once we explain yeah. that, yeah. like, it's not just because we don't want you to run it low. It's because if you run it too low, it will freeze because it's a condescending, uh, a condensating, uh, yeah. AC. So it, it will actually freeze and then it'll turn off on you. And we don't want that to happen to you. So if you find gotcha. yourself uncomfortable, can you please call us? Yeah. And that, that's how we gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> So what, um, as far as any other, what, what's when maybe one of the upsides though, that you didn't anticipate, is there anything that was like a pleasant surprise or was all negative surprises? Well, we are getting really good bookings and yeah. really good reviews Yeah, and it's, it's very heartwarming to get like the, Oh, we, you know, had our whole family here and we got to celebrate this and that, like hearing the stories of yeah them actually using our house kind of the way we did. Cause we kind of missed that since we raised our daughter there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that's really nice to, and to get, you know, the five-star reviews is like, woo. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, I, at least this is my two cents is like, there will be, I think that we will have an equalization of, or a balance of like everyone, and their dog was getting into this. It's and, already happening. Yeah. And, yeah. And understanding that this is not, Everyone's cup of tea. This is a business. And and much like, um, and I, I watched this little YouTube clip and, and, and it was kind of arrogant of like, I don't know, it was one of the major hotel owners or or CEOs or something saying, oh, you know, we're not worried about Airbnb. You know, we're completely different. Like we are an experience and, you know, we have the on-site massage and, and the restaurants and all these different things. Like we're an experience. And that's where my belief is that, yeah, a lot of people that were just like, hey, I can own a house, have some cheap, you know, furniture off of Craigslist in here and have people just booking, booking, booking like that. That will, you know, I, I know there's going to be some anomalies where that, that still happens, especially if it's a good location and Flagstaff's an attractive location. But in large part, it's like the people that actually care about people having a good experience. And, you know, hopefully we get too much hate in the comments, mostly real estate focus people listen to this, but it's, uh, it, it's something where I think that like, I, I can't take my family to, to most hotels, right? Too many kids, too many kids. And it's, <laughs> it's well, and in the sense of like, yeah, we're going to book multiple rooms. We don't have a kitchen. They're going to have pizza on their pillow. Like, it's just like an Airbnb model works just way, way better for it. And, but I still want an experience. Like I still love like little extras when you, you know, have a, just a nice setup house and things. So I don't know. I think we'll have some equalization. I think you know, free markets, that's where I love, can hopefully create that competition where people that are going to stay in the game will up their game. So hopefully there's better Airbnbs and the ones that are crappy just turn into real estate for sale. I got some comments from my neighbors that I was really surprised about. So uh, the house that I'm talking about that I have an Airbnb and now we have lived in it and we have also long-term rented it and now we're short-term rentaling it. And Every one of my neighbors are like, we like the short term the best. Really? And I'm that like. Versus I'm, you living there? That's hilarious. I'm like, I know my dog's obnoxious, but he's not that bad. That's honest feedback <laughs> as but well. But I was surprised. But we keep like the lawn looks better. Everything is, you know, yeah. like more tidy and we're not making noise all week long there. It's mostly people there on the weekends. So yeah. we were really surprised to get that feedback. That's interesting. Yeah. That is super interesting. Yeah. And that's, again, I think you think of, um, and, and maybe it's a matter of like in the highs and lows of it, knowing that if you have, and that's the, again, if you have some obnoxious college, I can talk about college kids because I'm not sure. to class. Sure. You have some obnoxious college kids move in as a long-term rental. They're there for like three to four years while they're you know, graduating college. And it's like party all the time. Like that could really be obnoxious and a nuisance versus or they don't mow the lawn yeah. or they park their cars everywhere. Yeah. That's more like the complaints we hear. Yeah. Yep. yep. Or if it's like, <laughs> Hey, or, or on the short term side of things of like uh, an obnoxious guest is there, they're not all going to be obnoxious and that's a limited, much, much more limited right. time frame, Right. So it's like, okay, the, the, you know, again, the alternative of having like a great neighbor and they're there for years is fantastic. So it's like, Hey, maybe you don't have the same highs, but you don't have the same lows. As far as the short term goes, right. that's interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I was surprised to hear that. I heard it from more than one neighbor. I do think we should public announce, though, 
and just and, and say, like, if you own a short-term rental and you are tired of it and you want to use your money elsewhere, sell it. Yeah. Call Tamar Prager and list sure. your rental property. And especially depending if you converted, like people need to know this on the tax conversion standpoint. If you were a primary residence, just like you did, and you left it, and you are coming up on your capital gains yep. hit on that, unless you are determined to hold it forever, you should sell, sell, sell. Yes. Right? And I don't want to sound sleazy when I say that, but no, it's strategic. Like, don't miss this opportunity and assessment. You got to be on top of your taxation here. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that that's, as you're talking about, a lot of people might be getting out of that game or it's not as lucrative and things are getting more difficult and they may want to put their money elsewhere. You know, I think a lot of people need to understand that and, and get out if they want to get out. And it could be a noble thing too, because right. people need homes right now. Yes. And so we have bought all of our homes on a primary Yep. loan yep. and have lived in it for at least a year before we turn it into a rental so that we save money on Best the strategy. loan. Yep. And um, then when we go to sell it, we would just move back into it for two years and then sell it. And we, as you know, we move around a lot. Yeah. So uh, that's been our strategy rather than doing the 1031. But um, there is a property we might, we might sell in Flagstaff and 1031 to buy something in Sedona. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's it's hard. I, it's hard to sell, but I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and that's where the only, cause I'm a, I'm a buyer, buy, die or buy refi die. Did you hear yep. that tax? Yeah. Uh, that's the mentality of like never sell <laughs> mentality. Well, and I think the small asterisk to that is if you're just rebalancing that on yeah. saying, Hey, I, I, I need to maximize this and I'm moving it from real estate to real estate. Like that's where right. 1031 ex exists to help you do that. And you and could always use a Delaware state, uh, a Delaware statutory trust too. If you don't want to buy another property, you can 1031 into, um, it's like a real estate trust that just okay. pays you dividends instead of having to own more property. You can 1031 into that. Oh really? I didn't know if, about if that. you're done. You don't want a yeah. landlord anymore. Yeah. You're sick of it. You want to get out of the game. You can and still, still because do, it's like investment. Yes, you can still do Tamarind one last. CPAs. <laughs> <laughs> you can do one last 1031 and and just get your dividends each month. Okay, interesting. Very cool. So it's called yeah. Delaware Statutory Trust. Statutory Trust. DST. DST. Mm -hmm. Yeah, learn something new every day. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, so that's yeah, a lot of people should be should be thinking about that and. Uh, and as far as, um, I'm going to ask, I have not been, it's been very difficult to engage with just a busy schedule and things on all the things that Flagstaff was doing on the short-term rental conversations. Did you happen to attend any of those meetings or hear what I did? Um, so I read over the Coconino County plan Okay. and I really liked it actually. And I did not actually go to the city one, but I, I sent in comments and I said, I really like what the county has done and you should try to mirror that or just adopt that. Yeah. <laughs> or just have it countywide because basically the only thing that um, an owner wouldn't like, a short-term rental owner wouldn't like, is that you have to notify all of your surrounding neighbors. Yeah. And let them know who you are. Here's my phone number. Here's how you contact me if there's problems. But if you're not doing that, it really, you are the problem. Well, so <laughs> you have to understand. Like, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, well, I mean, there are some neighbors who may be, you know, vindictive, but <laughs> if you're doing it, they know already. Right. And then from just a communication and even like a safety standpoint on both sides of things, like it makes sense. Right. Yeah. I know that's what Sedona does as well. Like they've, they've passed that permitting process. And to me, it just makes sense where, um, yeah, to, to where, hey, if, if something's happening in your property and they don't know who to call and your house is, is burning down or you got an emergency or something, yeah, or, you know, it's, it just makes sense that there's there's this type of communication. And it's not, I know in, in times past, I've seen different bills where it's like, hey, they, there's ability, like this isn't a comment period, right? At least as it's written up, it's not like they can say like, well, we really don't like that or something, right? And you know, and you got to be above board anyways, right? If, you should if, be. You know, as far as me saying like, if 
if a neighbor is going to complain on you, whether you own the house, rent the house, short-term rental the house, if or you're doing something <laughs> that's against county code or permits or something, it doesn't matter. Like you can, if a neighbor is going to be, and I know a couple, you know, some of them might say, oh, like I'm just going to be on the DL and, and like, <laughs> you know, that it doesn't matter whether you're any of those categories. So you might as well just be on the up and up, communicate right. with people. And, and it's, this is the best thing in my opinion for neighborhood. It's, it's, it's yeah. should exist. I want to know what's going on. I have cameras everywhere, but <laughs> yeah. On your home or on the short term as well. Um, or just both, on, both. on all properties. Yeah. No, I don't have any on my long-term oh, okay. rental, but yeah. Uh, do, do people, I drive just by exterior, all the time. <laughs> just exterior cameras. Yeah. Just exterior. Okay. And no interior. And, and do people have problems with that at all? Or do you ever get complaints about it? Or no. no, no. Yeah. It's good to keep tabs Not so far. Yeah. So, no, well, that's awesome. And now on the real estate side of things, what are you seeing in the real estate side of things right now? You've been through a lot of different markets in 17 years. I have, I have. And it, I'm, I'm a little more hopeful about this year's market. So we still have the inventory issue, mm -hmm. which is not fun when you're representing a buyer. Um, it's great when you're representing a seller though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I still see the competition out there, but it doesn't seem as crazy. Like in 2020 and 2021, I, I found myself worrying about a lot of buyers because they were having to fight so hard. And I, I myself overpaid and, and, and I, I played the game of, you know, we'll pay this much over. And, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. I, I, I don't like, representing a buyer in that, in that frantic, like that's never a place you want to be with a frantic buyer. You know, <laughs> you're, you're trying to help yeah. them, you know? So I don't see as much frantic this year and that makes me very happy. So far. Yeah. As far as what these higher rate environments, low inventory, it's been relatively paced. I think buyers have, I wouldn't call it a buyer's market, but it have had a lot more, um, calm, and and ability and negotiations in the last six to eight months which has been super super good um i'm worried that we're already seeing that move away i know like this last weekend um just anecdotally i knew of the two listings i hit ponderosa trails both above eight hundred thousand, yep. and that went within days and i understand multiple i heard offers. multiple offers and cash and escalation clauses, yep. which we haven't heard the word escalation clause for like 14 months now. Right. Ish. So that's a little concerning. Do you think, and I know we're just speculating here. Um, and, and the only reason that this is, that's happened on those two listings is there were two listings in Ponderosa trails. Right. Right. Um, I think the weather has, has us on a little bit of a delay. Like we normally are already starting our season uh, right around spring break yeah. in March. Yeah. And I feel like it's going to be more like the middle of April this year. So okay. I'm hoping maybe we can get some more inventory happening, okay. you know, mid April. And then we won't hear that phrase as much. Yeah. And, and I think it could be safe to say, and this is what I think it's hard for a lot of folks to, to, to wrap their head around a little bit is that, um, you're going to, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is you're going to see some very targeted things happening, but for a specific reason. And I guess what I'm trying to say there is not all market is going to move the same. Correct. I know that there are some listings right now. I, I know of a particular listing. Hey, if you're in the market for a two-bedroom, go get it. Uh, like, uh, I have a great client listing uh, a two-bedroom in Presidio, yep. and she's been listed for a while, and mm -hmm. it's just it's a two-bedroom, yep. right? And it's just not that the demo in my mind, the demographic of buyer that would buy that listing is not buying right now in the wintertime. Right. Right. I think she'll do fine in the months to come. Right. Um, but that product is a little bit more niche. It is. And uh, and so that's where, you know, so we are seeing like people are seeing there are some listings you're clicking on there that are saying, hey, they've been listed for 45 or 60 days. But then there are others that have been listed for two days and they're gone. Yes. And do you, do you, would you just account that to just the desirability of product? Yes. And 
So I think that that's... However... Yeah, go, go. So, yeah, so I'm curious, yes. There's, there's, I always tell my buyers, they're like, well, gosh, this one's been on the market forever. We, we could go in low. We could go in really low. I'm like, well, we can. But I'm going to tell you about the law of attraction because you can have... I have had... I know many agents who have had a listing sit and sit and sit and no offers, no offers. And soon as one person likes it, don't you know everybody likes it? And so you have yes. to just be a little yes. bit careful of that in this kind of market. So, and I, I see that play out on our side of things. Do you? Yes. Where <laughs> they looked at it and then they're going to look at it again and they kind of think like, hey, I hold all the cards. Right. But that's why I'm really, you know, we've talked about it quite a bit that buyers need to be very, very careful on that end of like, yes, do your best to, you know, to, to work with your, your realtor and get is uh, the best deal you can. Yes. Yeah. But work with your, the key pieces, the realtor piece of then understanding what that can be. Right. And, and sometimes, and knowing that I think timing is everything, just like you're saying to where I've had clients that are like, you know, Hey, we really hold all the cards. And then they were kind of thinking about it. And then they were, you know, put in a low ball and it came kind of came back and they were kind of going back and forth. And all of a sudden, there's one or Another two other offer. things in the hopper. And it's like, well, if you would have signed, like I, I saw one that I think it was upwards of like a $50,000 plus decision point where if they would have signed that counter, they would have been good. But because then other competition came and that's the, the just the nature of markets that they ended up having to go $50,000 higher than that counter and got it. And yes, they get the home, but it's just a matter of like, you know, like just be careful. Yeah. Be careful. And, and I, is it helpful? And I know... You probably correct me if I'm wrong, Tamara, because you go through that process much, 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 much more than I do as far as that initial buyer negotiation piece. We just send that prequel letter out. But is it something where you kind of coach a lot of buyers through that we want to feel good right. with an initial offer? But it's just that. It's your initial offer, right? If we're progressing through the home inspection and everything and you find additional things out and you want to come to the table, renegotiate and consider even canceling. You can. Of course. And you probably don't, would you say you don't coach your clients necessarily on like saying, hey, if they don't give you 10K, we're going to back out. But, and you don't want those buyers really setting an unrealistic bar and wasting everyone's time. Right. But that, yeah, just feel good about it. And then we'll massage it. I don't know. Right. I like to go through all the, all the emotions of, you know, what happens if they say yes? What happens if they only say yes on a few things? And what happens if they say absolutely no? Yeah. You know, like, let's try to let, let's try to think ahead about all the possible scenarios rather than just, you know, trying to cram it down their throat and saying, you know, do these repairs or we walk. Yeah. I think that's very, very important for the psychology. Right. right? Well, because you don't know how you're going to feel until you get the answer. But if you go ahead and try to think of all of the answers that you might get, then you can kind of be, you can have that leg up of knowing what you're going to do. Yeah. And I know there's a, there's so much that plays into it, but one of the principles that I think a lot of people don't think about enough is the opportunity cost. Right. And, and that's where it's, when it comes to these negotiations, not that I want to tell people like, you know, just once you've signed a contract, you, you got to push yourself into it and just get it done no matter what. But you also have to understand like, okay, if you're going to just get your ego built up on $2,000 worth of some relative, you know, relatively, non-health to safety, you know, but repair or something like that. Is it really worth going back to the starting line or just dealing with that? Sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. Well, I just had a recent uh, cancellation. I had a buyer, um, he was buying a townhome, which um, he was like, okay, I'll get a townhome because they take care of the roof and the outside and they do so much yep, of the yep. work. I can spend my time just, you know, doing what I want. I don't have to do all sure. these exterior repairs. Yep. This will be great. He kind of was settling for a townhome and talked himself into it. We got into escrow. The inspection came back and the deck was completely falling off the back of the house. Oh, wow. Like it was this far, like it had detached on yeah, one yeah, corner yeah. and it was this far off of the actual structure okay. and there was a bunch of rotten wood underneath and uh, the poles that were into the cement had, you know, damage. And there was 
all kinds of uh, faulty grade around the house, all these exterior things. And I said, hang on, let's call the HOA and let's see what they cover. So we sent them all of the repairs and we said, you know, could you tell us which items you cover and which items you don't so we can make this decision? And they're like, we don't cover any of those. Yeah. And he was like, why would I spend $2,500 a month for this eight, or a year? Oh, yeah. for oh, this? <laughs> Sorry. Where, where is this HOA? <laughs> so $2,500 a year yeah. for this HOA to take care of the exterior when they're not really taking care of it anyways, and they don't cover anything. He's like, I'm out. And I was like, I, I have to agree. Like, yeah. why would you, you might as well just get your own house without the HOA take, and, and spend that money on the actual house, you know? Yes. No. And, and that's, that's a huge point that you bring up that not a lot of people know about when it comes to then condos and HOA, or condos and townhomes um, because of the uh, attached aspect of the housing that a lot of time that there's typically a master policy in place and and then also some potential maintenance agreements within the HOA community and the CCNRs, yep. but those vary widely. Yeah, right? and, and they we'll all see, differ. They're we'll see all some townhomes like that where it's basically like, now we, 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 have, we have a master insurance policy that basically covers like common area liability insurance kind of stuff where it doesn't actually cover dwelling and things. Oh. Or you'll have... Sorry, um, this yeah. one. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Additionally, there was an $8,500 assessment to pay for the roof. Yeah. So now you're spending twenty five hundred a year for them to maintain the outside, which includes the roof, but they don't have enough money. So now they're gonna charge a one time assessment of eighty five hundred to put new roofs on the whole building. Yeah. And that is <laughs> again just, just educating people where yeah, just know what you're paying for. Right. right? And it's it's um and a lot of HOAs tend to it's an interesting balance where um, so the, the townhomes in Ponderosa trails mm-hmm. just passed a special assessment oh. for their roofs, which is like 10 grand from owner now. Oh, right. Um, per owner. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's like, that's the cost of a roof. Yeah. These expensive. are about 20 ish year old townhomes. So, and it's Flagstaff. I don't know a roof that stays in thir- for 30 years in Flagstaff. It's just not. Our MO, if it's like your typical like asphalt roofing, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so, um, and so in, in working through or in talking with folks in that community and I, I have a property in that HOA and it's just a matter of what happens is they pass these initial, you know, so 20 plus years ago, the developer sets this all up and then hands the, the HOA over, right? You, you know, all this, but just for, for the general listener and, uh, and then they, in my experience, is then most people say, hey, why am I paying this HOA? And they work, they get on the board or work with the board and they really don't work to actually assess what that HOA should cover or needs to cover. And everyone just has this mindset of like, let me pay as little as possible. They sell or whatever. And most, most you know, I'm sure there's pretty high turnover. Not many original owners still own in there and had that mindset. And so then all of a sudden you fast forward 20 years later, 20 years worth of inflation, 20 years worth of property deterioration of, of maintenance and issues and things. And so all of a sudden it's like, no, there is not, you know, money to, to pay for, uh, new roofs for the entire community 20 years later, that just doesn't exist. And so it's kind of interesting where they, it's, there's a lot of pros to HOAs, but there can be a lot of downsides as well. And on top of that, everyone wants to live their lives. So you pay a management company and what's the typical take on management of an HOA. It's like, seems like it's a quarter to like a third of the budget sometimes. Yeah. It's a lot. It's not cheap and they I'm not going to throw them under the bus. Sometimes they do things. Sometimes they don't. There are some good ones out there. There are some good ones out there and there's some ones that are just taking your money from an HOA community, but you are part of the community and you can always shop out who you use. But most people like, what is it? Oh, when I was, I think when I was like in college or high school, I was like, if you wanted to just, um, this is left fielder here for you, Tamara. I was like, insurance, like companies that take things related to insurance or government money, 
seem to do extremely, extremely well just because people don't pay attention. I'd probably put HOAs in the same category of, right? You, we all pay an insurance, you all pay your taxes. It's just what you do. And you just don't, you know, don't pay attention to it all the time. And so anyways, so I'd put HOAs in that same category of like, Hey, you know, tune in, you should know what your HOA is doing. You should know what is covered from a buyer standpoint. And do you do any other due diligences when you're working with HOAs other than just your standard, Hey, here's the CCNRs. Here's any questions you have for the the HOA specifically, do you do anything additional just to help them get the feel I for do. it? I do. I used to, um, I go over that HOA addendum with them really well because it used to be that I felt like if they had a capital improvement fee, I was like, ooh. But now I'm like, actually, capital improvement fee could save you because this particular HOA that I was just talking about, they just started a capital improvement of $1,000. For, oh, okay. for each transfer. So eventually they will have coffers and they won't have to assess mm, the community to do, to do a roof. Yeah. But anybody buying right now is getting the double whammy of both. But had they have had a capital contribution fee, you know, maybe 10 years ago, they would have probably had enough money to, to pay for the roof. Sure. And so sure. they are working on the problem, but right now, it's kind of at a crossroads. So I used to not like a capital improvement fee, but now I'm kind of seeing the benefit. If if they can prove where they're going to spend and how they're going to spend that capital improvement fee, I'm actually for that. So I like to talk to people about the differences of what each fee does. What, what Where does your transfer fee actually go if you're paying a transfer fee? And where does the disclosure fee go and where does the you know capital improvement fee go like what are they actually doing doing yeah. with that and, and then you can tell if you're in a good hoa or not yeah and i think just the knowledge is power on that in in a large large part um there where um yeah getting a feel because it's not too different from if you just you know are outside of an hoa or or a big hoa that's supposed to help with different things in the house or things where you're going to have to budget for your own roof. You're going to have right. to budget for your own repairs, mm-hmm. right? So it's not dis, like too different from that, other than you have this community tied to these things that you need to get moving in the same direction, which can be very difficult, mm-hmm. right? And and working through all that. And so, yeah, it's just a different dynamic. It's a very different dynamic. Yeah, I mean, HOAs are good and bad, right? Like, it does, I do think that it kind of keeps the community looking better, which kind of helps values stay up in your neighborhood if you have one. But there are people who won't buy in an HOA. So, you know, like, yeah. And just know it's good and bad. Yeah. And just know what you're getting yourself into. I think <laughs> yeah. it's the biggest thing. Like if, if you know that you can't, you know, and, and that's, that's where, you know, I've sat on HOA boards and mm-hmm. I've been part of that. And it's just like the, 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 I wouldn't call it sad or most kind of annoying thing. I think is ignorance when like you'll get some complaint to the board or something of like, what do you mean? I couldn't short-term rental my property, my realtor or whatever. You're like that's like never going to work in a court of law to say my realtor said so. Right. right? Um, and so it's like, no, don't be ignorant, do your education. And if something comes down the road, we're like, Hey, you know, they did a special assessment down the road. Or did you know, I get billed outside. So some HOAs do this too, where it's like, yeah, you're, you know, your monthly dues are helping towards maintenance and, um, and insurance, but you still have like an annual assessment that you also have to pay in a little extra insurance annually. I, I know some of HOAs that do that. And it's like, if you knew about it, it's not a problem, right? right. If you didn't know about it, then you get caught off guard and no one likes surprises anyways. <laughs> right. So at the same time, when we have a client call us, so like, I thought I was in a 30 year fixed mortgage. You're like, well, your taxes went up. And taxes are part of your payment and like, <laughs> and insurance. Again, yeah. And so we said it 10 <laughs> times. Right. And, uh, and so like, where else are you paying taxes? But yeah, it's just kind of that thing is if you know it and understand it, like I think that's very, very important for people to know and understand, uh, when it comes to HOAs. So that's, yeah, that's a very important rabbit hole to go into. Um, are you, uh, do you see one question I maybe have for you on that? T- um, just total at, anecdotally and, and, and personal just off the cuff here. It's interesting to me where, like you said, is, is some, like I knew for a while, and let's talk specific, like Ponderosa trails kind of seem to have like more of a 
stronger value over like university heights generally speaking like square foot for square foot just in the sense probably it's like a little newer probably the neighborhood's little like you know with the hoa factor maybe some little like a little more cookie cutter ish i don't know if they seem to have a value right so i don't know just neighborhoods seem nicer a little newer they seem to have a little more value square foot dollar for dollar but at the same time people like being outside of hoas and especially as short-term rental has gotten more popular even if some ponderous because i think there's pockets of ponderous hotels where you can short term um, right. that people just don't like being part of that at all. Um, just from a total risk standpoint, if they are going to do short term. So I've noticed, especially like in, in just again, anecdotally viewing in the Sedona market, where I think that's very aggressive, where if it's in an HOA, it is it's very like, split down there. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it can be like, I was kind of just seeing like, it can be almost like hundreds of thousands of dollars difference in value. It is different. Yeah. assigned to if it's outside of an HOA, given that it's a perception of I have more full use of the property rights. Right. Right. I'm not restricted. And people are paying a premium for less restriction. Um, do we see that in Flagstaff happening of like areas like University Heights where there's no HOAs that there are more of a premium happening or is it still? Yeah. It's not as drastic as, as Sedona is. Okay. Um, but you you can make significantly more in Sedona than you can in Flagstaff on a short-term rental. Gotcha. Just because the season is longer mm -hmm. weather-wise, so you, you have more bookings. Yeah. But um, I would say, you know, when short-term rentals first came out, people were, you know, like choosing areas where they could short-term rental only. Yep. You know, but some of the, but some of the HOAs you can... Yeah. Short-term rental in. So then, you know, it, it became a little difficult trying to, to determine which and where, and then you'd have to go th comb through the CCNRs and make sure, and then find, yeah. and then you'd have to call and make sure they weren't getting ready to vote on something <laughs> that would change that. Sure, and, sure. Um, it seems to have settled down now though. Like I don't, I'm not getting those kind of calls anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I even got props to Amber Maggard in your office that she called me out on one that uh, she had a client looking at and I was like, Oh, I don't think you can short term there. And she had done her homework and said, no, uh, you can. Oh, nice. and so it's just like, you're saying like you, you it's just, you got to do your homework. Yes. Gotta dig into it. Um, and, uh, and so on the seasonality and being in short term, I'm curious then. So is, cause we all know Flagstaff is gorgeous in the summertime and we're a lot uh, cooler than the Valley. Um, but at the same time, obviously a lot of winter traffic with snowball and the uniqueness of having snow, uh, which season does better? Um, our best seasons at our Airbnb are, um, March through September. Okay. So it's, summertime is better. Yeah. Or spring or basically spring. yeah, spring yeah. to fall. Yeah. And because of our proximity to NAU, we get a lot of like NAU parents coming to see uh, to okay. see their kids, which I thought was cool because yeah. I'm always going down to Tempe to see my daughter at ASU. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I like when people tell me that. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. So you're able to help on that. It's a good yeah. cause. Um, but in, in Sedona, the, the off months are uh, June, July, and the beginning of August just because it's hot. So hot, okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. But everything else is blazing. blazing. Yeah, <laughs> so it's just a longer season yeah. overall there. Gotcha. And more international travelers go to Sedona, I would say, than Flag. I'd be curious to see the statistics on that. In like our, I would assume, well, maybe I should be careful with this. Again, just in the mind of myself here, that domestic are more likely to book Airbnbs and international more likely to use hotels do you think that's it i don't know are we just totally guessing here or is it not necessarily i don't true? know i don't know i guess i said just because i haven't booked i don't think i've booked an airbnb international i've traveled internationally oh yeah i have i did i did book an airbnb in canada once that was the first mexico airbnb. but <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that was the first airbnb so this is a fun story it was the first airbnb i'd ever booked and it was um this is like 12 years ago. I didn't oh, wow. have any kids yet. And so kind of a newer ish thing as well. And it was up in Whistler. And so we were going on a ski trip with a buddy. We'd never been there. And we, you fly into Vancouver, you take a two hour 
uh, it's almost like flying in Phoenix and you drive like two, two and a half hours into the mountains. And we showed up at like 8 PM. It's like stacked with snow and like late, like just like this town is this little Whistler village was just like a frozen little icicle. <laughs> and we're showing up like trying to figure out our address, take this bus and like hope the door code works. And it worked. It worked. It was kind of, but there was this, like, I don't know. So it's this interesting human trust thing where you hope the listing's real and that we're going to be able to enter someplace in the evening. But I've never had an issue. I don't know. Have you had any crazy guest stories or any uh, instances? Nothing in yet. But um, I stayed in a technically Airbnb probably the year I got engaged. Gosh. 24 years ago or something in California. Um, It was like up in the mountains and we just stayed at this little cabin and, you know, we had to go dig the key out from underneath the bush in the front yard. (laughs) And there was like just a key hidden in the yard. And we actually mailed them a check and they mailed us a receipt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you've been rolling in that distance for much longer than I have. That's hilarious. The, the, yeah, the human trust that we operate on there. Yeah. And I sure, I mean, I know like now, especially when it's the, the website, it's big business. And I'm sure I, I would bet that the county stuff is still saying, Hey, there's, there has to be background checks and different things done. And, and so it's, it's definitely quiet, much quiet hours more, is a big one and yeah, um, much more regulated um, yeah. now, but yeah, it was the wild west back in the day, mailing a check and just out of good faith. So you mailed a check after your stay or before, before, before. Okay. Well, so yeah. So you really hope that the cabin existed. Yes. <laughs> oh, too funny. That's wild. Well, and, and jump it. So, and back into the market as we're seeing things heat up, I guess, do you have any top tips for buyers or sellers that need to kind of understand the, the, the dynamic of it. Things are shifting so quickly. Something that you took for truth and gospel uh, like two, three, four weeks ago is not true now, right? Interest rates have shifted. Um, right. Market is shifting, right? Um, it, and that's why I just think it's it's difficult for people to keep pace with it, but it's very highly critical for them to, to secure you know, the best home for them and their family. But what do you think? Top yeah. tips, let's say top tips for sellers. What do you think are your top tips for sellers right now? <laughs> Call me. No. <laughs> <laughs> Get it listed. They're moving. They are moving. And yeah. right now there's a little less competition. And I do feel like, you know, by May. Listing competition. Yeah, there's a little yeah, less out there. There's a lot less listing competition, but there's a ton of buyer demand. So yeah. it really, you know, it, it's always a good time to list, but it really is right now. Yeah. And buyers are figuring out, you know, ways around how they're going to be able to buy at a higher interest rate and, and make it happen. And then just, you know, shift something else later if the interest rates go down or if they don't go down, they have a plan to mitigate their, you know, monthly nuts so that they can get around that. And so they're out there. There's a lot of buyers. There's so many buyers. Yeah. I can't believe it. And I've been trying to help my buyers through that same, they're, you know, I'm like, don't listen to the news. Just don't, don't listen to the news. Yeah. But you just got to listen to your gut. If, if you love the house, we're going to, we're going to get aggressive on it and we're going to figure out how to get it for you. If you don't love it, who cares? Don't worry about yeah. it. But how are you going to use it later? Like you can't just always buy a house just because you want to live in it. Like sometimes you have to make it a stepping stone or make it a, a, a business decision. Like sometimes you buy something now that you can use that to rent rent later and buy something else and use the income from your rental or you buy something that you put sweat equity into and then you get your equity back and then you buy something else. And so the market isn't always going to be like this. So if you need to buy something, just buy it. And then we will, you know, work around that and make that actually, you know, help you grow wealth. You don't have to struggle, you know, just get something, yeah. get started because I don't think that the market's going to go down, <laughs> you know, like yeah. you need to get in get your foot in now. Cause you'll be like me and everyone else going, man, I wish I would have bought Last year, the year before, I wish I would have bought in 2006 or 2007, you know, 2008. Like I, 
sad. Yeah. And, and as you talk through that, that I think, yes, the plan is critical. And it's a, it, it's a very unique thing where people have to combine like housing and their need for housing. Cause we all like this thing called indoor housing well, or yeah. indoor living. Plumbing right? is nice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In the kitchen and you know, it's it, you know, not perma camping is, is nice. Caveman life, you know, not so good anymore. Um, and so it's like, you're marrying this, this, this basically life pretty much necessity here in the United States of America and mostly over the world to your financial plan. And so it's all a matter of just like what anyone would tell you in like a 401k is like the sooner you get your foot in the door, you've seen those projections of like, Hey, this, you know, Sally contributed overall less, but started 20 years earlier. Right. right? And so like, you don't need to buy the big dream house now, but get your foot in the door. And, and I do think it's very important for like, I would not, uh, I, I can't overstate this enough, um, is that a lot of folks just do not understand markets in general. And they like to think of the market, right? And there's not a market. Everything's oh, different, right? There's lots you of have, micro markets. There's so many different markets. <laughs> yeah. There's different housing markets here that are going to be, like when we looked at, and I just did this with my brother on the uh, the podcast last week, is we looked at percentage change from 1991 to now in real estate values in Arizona, it's like 462% increase in most of the country. It's like 200 ish. Right. So that's where, Hey, those markets did well. This market did double that. Right. Right. And so it's, it's, and then you have stock markets, bond markets, you have international markets, you have gold and gas and silver. And so you have all these different things. And where I'm going with this is that as we head into, you know, so you, you take, we got to remember, we, we, the news is very selective with what they talk about, but we have sure. to remember like here, we're heading into this like pandemic. We all remember, I mean, it's like those total critical life modes. Like I remember sitting at my in-laws watching the uh one of that big major when they announced all the the ppe and like all the stimulus and everything right and we're sitting here just thinking like what are we like not knowing there was a moment of just pure like we don't know what the future holds for us as a civilization for humanity it was like just weird times and we were very very concerned economically and restaurants are shutting down and it's just like it was just such a weird time but guess what real estate rocketed oh rocketed because interest rates came to 70 year historic lows right and so real estate's been moving on it's it's definitely you know when we come from breakneck speeds to normal and now it's like not quite normal with these higher interest rates where i I guess trying to finally get to this this moment was so many people are going to be thinking hey the stock market may not be doing well the fed's doing this people are doing that but those are other markets we have to be able to say what is the housing market doing and the housing market, even though a lot, of, I don't, I think just in the 70s and 90s, when we went through high inflationary times, like we saw a 30% loss in the S&P in the 70s and 50% loss in the 90s after inflation kind of was curbed. So it's highly likely that we're going to see some negative impacts here oh, in sure. the economy from everything that's gone down. Yeah. But housing, that will mean lower interest rates. And that's, we'll have to see. Most experts aren't predicting that that will happen to housing. So that's where I guess I'm going to. Well, the, short, are, the shortage is going to keep that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what people don't understand too. So speak to that a little bit of shortage and inventory. Do you have any like stats or numbers you can give to us on like, this is how bad the inventory is right now? Oh boy. I don't have any memorized in my head, but we are far below the number of homes that we need in Arizona and mo- mostly across the United States. But Arizona is, is drastically low on yeah. inventory. Like, cause how many, do you have any idea or clue, like just in that, um, area of like, cause you just said it anecdotally in this, uh, over the weekend two homes listed in Ponderosa trails, how many homes are total in Ponderosa trails? Do you have any number on that? I think it's like 1500 maybe. Okay. So 1500 homes there. and mm-hmm. two, <laughs> right. And I think I heard when we were talking, um, earlier with your office that someone had cited or in our masterminds that someone had cited like 150 homes. Like on market mm-hmm. or something of that nature. I, and that's, that was a week or so ago. So I'm not sure of the number now, but when you take a population of like 76,000 and say that there are 120 homes for sale, that just doesn't seem like good math. Right. And plus, you know, and right now we don't have the second homers coming in, but come, you know, as soon as it gets hot, 
in the valley, they'll be coming too. So it'll be even more of a shortage. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I know it's not good news. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that that's, that's hopefully if anything to the people that are wanting to take life by the horns, just knowing that like, you have to make a plan and it can happen. You got to You got to be ready. You got to make a plan. Um, you got to be ready to not just be pre-qualified, but we've talked about, you need to be talking with your, your eight, your realtor beforehand, talk with Tamara beforehand on here's all the tools in the toolbox to when we find the right house to get it. Yes. Well, and Flagstaff, I moved here 20, almost 25 years ago. And I remember just having sticker shock. I came here from Florida where the houses are very cheap. And I was like, oh my God, we're never going to get a house. Like that is so much. I was shocked. But don't you know, the day I closed on my first house that I scrambled like mad to get stated income loan, 8%. We took $5,000 that my in-laws gave me for our wedding and uh, we took a student loan out for Brian and then he dropped his classes. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> like literally like we just scrambled to get this house. Yeah. As soon as we closed the next day, I was like, yeah, let those things go up. Go, 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 yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. You just, you just have to join the club. And then yes. once you're a member, then you will root those prices on. <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> That's it. You know, and I, I love that you, you share that there where I think a lot of people see like, oh, it must have been easy for you, Tamara, or like when you bought at those prices. Um, but getting your foot in the door here um, is, you know, and I, I, I've talked about before, like my very first loan here in Flagstaff was FHA and just like scrounged on my three and a half percent. And got a little bit of concession from the seller and like made it happen. <laughs> and, you know, and so, you know, it, it's, it's, and we were like, and I always remember, and I do this cause we did it like in that first home purchase, this is in 2010. And then from, from then on, I've always laughed with every buyer that we, we came in and said, Hey, this is our hard line limit. We are spending this. <laughs> and then we go $35,000 over that. Right. And it's just like, I know like, you know, and that is, so yeah, it, it happened then it's still happening now. I understand that there's different dynamics there. Um, but yeah, I hope that's encouraging for people to know, like it, you're going to have to struggle. You're going to have to work you know, only, you know, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Right. right? I guess that's kind of some good concluding thoughts. Any, any other concluding thoughts, Tamara? That's all I can think of. She's an expert serving Sedona and Flagstaff. Give her a call, guys.